Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Let's go! Yeah, it's Tuesday, September the 26th. And I'm delighted to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoy the content today, don't forget, uh, like and subscribe. Hit that like button like you're grabbing it in a theater, watching the musical Beetlejuice. Just fondle it lovingly. <laughs> and of course, subscribe to the channel if you are here for the very first time today. We'd love to see you. The Wake Up America shows every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. And we'd love to have you come back and join us five days a week fighting for economic freedom and personal liberty. Thanks so much to Rumble for free, featuring us up on the front page today. We're super grateful to you, all of our friends over there. Rumble is standing up for free speech. When YouTube demonetized me three weeks ago, I said, we're in big trouble. I was talking to my wife. It's just this two-person small business doing this podcast, doing our little merchandise shop, hoping we can build a libertarian podcast network one day. And uh, that definitely was a big setback. And then Rumble reached out and said, you know what? We like your show. We definitely think that you've got what it takes. We're going to feature you. And they've changed our lives. Thank you to Rumble. Thanks for standing up for free speech. And against cancel culture, I got to give him another round of applause. How about you just click like for Rumble down there? Another way to support the platform. We appreciate you very much. All right. Well, let's hit the big news. Got some great guests for you, per usual, and some awesome content. Starting up top, Donald Trump bought a gun. Except he didn't because he can't. <laughs> Yesterday, Donald Trump visited one of my favorite gun manufacturers in the country, Palmetto State Armory. Have you ever bought anything from PSA? They've got great deals, great firearms. He showed up to Palmetto State Armory yesterday and uh, he saw that they had a Glock with a picture of Donald Trump on it. So he's like, this is a great gun. I've heard, I've heard Glocks are great. They're the great, greatest guns. I have, I'm terrible with my Donald Trump impressions. Just they're, they're awful. Anyway, so he goes, I know. Thank you. Shut up. <laughs> he goes, so he goes to buy the gun and his, uh, his handler posts that, you know, he goes and he buys this gun. But then of course, everybody's a lawyer on the internet. And then there are actual lawyers as well who are like, actually, and we'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. Let's set up the rest of the show. At 7.20 a.m. this morning, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, Senator Bob Menendez, the New Jersey Democrat, is facing calls from his own party to step down in the face of bribery allegations. What happened, Bob? Anyways, before we get to that, because we are going to have Cliff Maloney on the show, I thought that we should at least take a peek, if I don't have time to show it to you later, at least take a peek at the New York Post. God, I love the New York Post. With their cover of Senator Bob Menendez, Senator comically claims he hid cash because of Cuban history, uh, he was born in New York. Havana laugh. <laughs> I love it. I used to work in the same building as the New York Post, and I, I, I still read the New York Post every day. Just uh, it's my holdover from the day when I used to live there. Days when I used to live there. <clears throat> Havana laugh. Do you guys remember the New York Post cover that went viral? That was this. It was considered to be the greatest headline ever written. Uh, headless body found in topless bar that yeah that's considered to be the greatest headline ever and of course it was the new york post because they write the best headlines i read the new york post every day they're on the warpath against bob menendez but i have to say i actually disagree i think i disagree with the new york post today in their calls to ask senator bob menendez to resign in the wake of these bribery allegations because when i was reading the wall street journal there's the new york post which is like 
the dirty, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll Republicans. And then there's like the Wall Street Journal Republicans who are like, you know, more suit and tie Republicans. I think I'm with the elitist, arrogant sons of bitches today, the Wall Street Journal, because the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal today says that, you know what, Senator Bob Menendez actually deserves his day in court. He says that he's innocent. And just like we say when it comes to Russell Brand, he's innocent until proven guilty. That same thing applies to Senator Bob Menendez. It also just happens to be in our political favor if he sticks around through the election next year. <laughs> so I'll share those articles with you today. And then we'll have Cliff Maloney, who is another free speecher of himself and a liberty champion. He's going to join us this morning at 7.30 a.m. Central. So about 25 minutes from now, we'll hear from Cliff Maloney, former Ron Paul, Rand Paul staffer. So you know he's legit. Joining us this morning at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. So we're grateful and glad to have you here. Don't forget, you can always text the show and let us know. If there's breaking news going on, I can't always follow what's going on because the show is live. Uh, and I don't have a staff, but hopefully one day we will. Um, with we get can continue to get these kinds of numbers at Rumble, we definitely will be able to afford it at some point in the near future. So thank you, Rumble, again. But you can text us and let us know if there's breaking news happening or if you think there's a story that we might be missing, something big that you think we should cover, or just your opinion on the news of the day. You could send it in at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show. Let us know what do you think is on, what's on your mind at 573-319-1586 is the text line. And if you want us to, if you want to remain anonymous, no problem. We'd love to hear from you and we can protect your identity if you please when you text the show at 573 573- 319-1586. At 8 o'clock today, we're going to speak to Camelia Peterson. Everybody loves CJ. This might be the kind of topic that we might be able to make uh, Camelia blush, but do you all know who Pearly Things is? Just Pearly Things, Pearl Davis. So she's become kind of a big YouTube star in recent years where she's kind of been called the female Andrew Tate, where she, you know, sort of advances what we call the red pill philosophy. And a lot of you I know might not be familiar with the intricacies of this, but Essentially, these are kind of um, men who have gone their own way, right? Men who reject postmodern feminism and Marxist feminism and the sort of the gynocracy, if you will, that the United States has become today with an overly feminized, maybe even hyper-feminized society. Uh, and those men are, have taken what we call the red pill. Well, Pearly, Pearly things, as she calls herself, or Pearl, she has gotten some heat now from the Tradcons, traditional conservatives. Uh, the king of the Tradcons, Matt Walsh, who is attacking her for her comments when it comes to, tra tra to traditional marriage. Say that five times fast. And uh, Pearl Davis has uh, talked about how marriage is not in men's best interest. And Matt Walsh is saying, well, yes, marriage is bad for men and it hurts men and it's stacked against men. But men have to get married anyway, because even though men... Uh, a society takes men, bends them over, and with an unlubricated, uh, gives it to them straight up the, uh, they still have to uh, sacrifice themselves, uh, throw their bodies on the fire, uh, if you will, uh, because it is the job of men uh, to die in uh, defense of whatever women say, at any, whatever mad thing women want at any single point in time. If a woman says that she wants something, then men must uh, do so. Men say, if women say jump, men say yes, ma'am, and then cut their throats and die in a fire afterwards, right? Isn't that how this works? I, I thought that's kind of how it works. I'm sorry, Red Pill. Austin, you've got a great marriage and you love your wife. My wife is different 
from other women. She is not like most of the other women. <laughs> I found the one good one. <laughs> but for most of you men out there, you know what it's like if you're single and you're in the dating pool. I was there. I was one of you not too long ago. And yes, while there are, there are Steffi P's for Liberty out there, and there are loving traditional wives who will take care of you and, and who will also meet your emotional needs and will love you like no other and will never leave you and divorce you and destroy your life. Most of you are going to end up like Steven Crowder. Most of you are probably going to end up like those men who are broken and destroyed. The statistics bear it out. So maybe I'll take the side of just pearly things and we'll see Camelia taking the side of a man that she claims to despise, Matt Walsh. <laughs> So you know it's going to be a good show. At 8.30 a.m. Central Time, I'm going to introduce you to an old friend of mine who I spoke to last, I spoke to is a couple years ago. She's announced her candidacy for President of the United States. Her name is Teresa Bukovinak, and she's running as a progressive Democrat. But here's the thing. I know what you're saying. And before you boo, hey, back off of that, right? You guys realize this. She is a pro-life progressive Democrat. What? What are we talking about here? So Teresa Bukovinak, she's running for president of the United States, challenging Joe Biden in the Democratic primary because she is pro-life. And you know what? I got to say, God bless her. <laughs> Teresa Bukovinak is going to join us this morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. So you get to meet somebody new. You get to say hello. And we get to talk to somebody who probably disagrees with us on 80% of things, but the 20% of things where she's pro-life, there you go. Maybe she might even be anti-war or against spending every single effing dime that we have in Ukraine. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. You can send us a text at 573 You get to say hello and we get to talk to somebody who probably disagrees Again, with you can text the show at 573-319-1586. Did I leave that Havana laugh thing up there the entire time like a absolute bonkers moron? Yes, I did. It's not so pretty when you do that, AP. All right, so let's hear from Donald Trump yesterday talking about who invaded Iraq and Afghanistan. Mr. President, probably still beauty gonna, was probably going to be your president again. Remember when George W. Bush was out of office and uh, when Bush was out of office, there was this sign when Obama was president that said, miss me yet. And, and we were all smiling and waving at George W. Bush. And But all of us, we, we didn't really miss George W. Bush yet. I think a lot of people, because of how bad Joe Biden has been, I think a lot of people miss Donald Trump. <laughs> miss me yet? I'll be honest. I think we kind of do. The beauty was when I came here, everyone thought Bush was going to win. And then they took a poll and they found out Trump was up by about 50 points. Everyone said, what's going on right here? They thought Bush because Bush supposedly was a military person. Great. You know what? He was a military. He got us into the uh, he got us into the Middle East. How did that work out? Right. But they all thought that uh, Bush might win. Jeb. Remember, Jeb? He used he used the word Jeb. He didn't use the word Bush. I said, you mean he's ashamed of the last name? And then they immediately started using the name Bush. Never forget it. The beauty was when I came. Wait, 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 wait. What? What are we talking about here? Jeb Bush did not get us into Iraq and Afghanistan. <laughs> this is president. I think you're confused. I think you're the wrong Bush there. It's OK. There's a lot of Bushes and sometimes it gets confused. Now, yes, while we do miss uh, Donald Trump, there are some things that I think we could say. Mr. President, we wish you'd back off of this, especially your support of Lindsey Graham. Another man who's always there. He's always, I'll tell you what, when I need help on the left, he's great. He's great. And he's my friend, too. Lindsey Graham, wherever you are. Lindsey, thank you. Oh, no, no. He helps me on the left. We need help sometimes. 
Republicans shouldn't need help on the left, but he helps me. <laughs> that is freaking hilarious. We do not like Lindsey Graham, Mr. President. I think you should take a page out of your out of your uh, your audience's playbook there. Uh, yesterday, this was a funny story here. This was uh, this was a picture you can see uh, engraved on the side of a Glock platform gun. This is Donald Trump, Trump 45 Glock. So right there, you can see a nice custom Glock there. And that's actually very nice engraving, very beautiful. I would actually like to own that gun myself. Uh, Trump 45, so I guess he'll be 45. And then when he wins, 46, he'll be 47 as well, right? So anyway, so his handlers posted that he bought this Glock yesterday. Of course, people immediately jumped all over it and said, well, actually, and you see, here's the little, this little idiot Democrat down here who's like, he's like, hey, Colin, why didn't he purchase it? Uh, and of course, Colin wasn't going to answer that one. But we all know that the truth is now is that the reason that the president is that the reason that the president didn't buy that handgun is because, well, he's it's illegal for him to buy it. Why is it illegal for the for Donald Trump to buy that handgun? Well, it's illegal for him to buy the handgun because under Section 18 of the U.S. Code, anyone who is under felony indictment here in the United States is not legally allowed to purchase a handgun, if you or handgun or a rifle for that matter. If you've never purchased a firearm before, you might be confused by this. So there are so many rules and regulations regarding who can buy a firearm. When you go and you buy um, a gun. There is a form that you have to fill out that asks you a series of questions like, for example, are you under a felony indictment? And if so, then you're not legally allowed to purchase the gun. So Trump would have been ineligible to buy that gun for that reason. Now, Hunter Biden, he would have have, have the same problem if he wanted to buy a gun for a different reason. He would have had a problem when he was marking on the form that he was not addicted to any addictive substance that is that is illegal, right? So both Donald Trump and Hunter Biden not allowed to own firearms at this time. Of course, at least Donald Trump has Secret Service protection. But what's fascinating about the political realities of what we're facing right now is that the president of the United States may be ready to become someone who will be under indictment and will actually receive a jail sentence in some of these states. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I, oh, some of you are going to say, oh, that's never going to happen. And I, I would say if I had to wager money on it, it I agree with you, it's probably not going to happen. But if it does happen, it becomes the the actual constitutional crisis that we that, you know, journalists have been warning us about and, you know, bloviating about for years. Oh, we're going to face a constitutional crisis. This would be a real constitutional crisis if Donald Trump wins the presidency again. And it looks like he's on track to do so which is honestly kind of hilarious. But some people will say, oh, well, he could just pardon himself. Well, he could pardon himself for the federal crimes, but he can't pardon himself for the state crimes. So on the, the D.C. side of things, the charges that are being brought against him in D.C., yeah, he could pardon himself for those. But for the state charges that is being brought up again uh, uh, against him in Manhattan and in Georgia, I think there are 91 criminal indictments 91 that are brought against him if any one of those is served and one of them gives him jail time we're looking at an actual real constitutional crisis because again he can only pardon himself for federal crimes he can't do so 
for state crimes, which would mean that we would be, I mean, the, the law is just such a joke. I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, though. And you can send them in. Send me a text at 573-319-1586. Let us know what's on your mind today. Uh, again, at 573-319-1586. At the moment, it looks as if Donald Trump is on track to become president of the United States again. If you saw that Washington Post survey that we published yesterday, Donald Trump 52 to 42% a 10-point lead. And it might be an outlier, but that doesn't mean that it's not telling us something here, right? Because the previous four national polls between Donald Trump and Joe Biden showed them as tied. The CBS News poll had Trump ahead by a one percentage point, right? But uh, so even if Trump isn't actually ahead by 10 points, he's probably at least tied, right? If not, maybe a little bit ahead of Biden and maybe even more than a little bit, right? Because the fact is people are sick and tired of this current administration, not only for the state of the economy, which is dismal, but the gas prices, which are dismal, but the immigration crisis, which is dismal, but more and more people are agreeing with the libertarians that the amount of taxpayer dollars that are going to Ukraine without any accountability is ludicrous. And that's one of the biggest issues. I, I think more and more people are, are awakening to the fact that while we are struggling to pay to fill up our tanks here at home, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Barack Obama are all colluding against our rights and our and our pocketbooks to pay for people to fill up their tanks in Ukraine, to fill up tanks, like literal tanks in Ukraine. Did you see the 60 Minutes uh, investigation into where the taxpayer dollars are being spent in Ukraine? It's not just for military aid. They're taking our taxpayer dollars over there and using it for things like first responders, Okay, you might say, all right, well, they got to pay for their firefighters to go and dig people out of the rumble. That you could say, even if I don't agree with spending in Ukraine at all, you might say, okay, well, at least that's tangentially related to some extent, right? Maybe in a secondary way. But in a tertiary way, why are we paying to prop up small businesses? Like they're literally giving money to prop up small businesses like sunglass huts in Ukraine. It's ridiculous. Why are you laughing? You should be booed. Thank you. But while Team Biden are trying to wave away this survey as it's some kind of an outlier, the other people on Biden's team are freaking out. Jenk Wieger wrote an article in Newsweek magazine saying that it's time for Joe Biden to step down, right? So it doesn't look like a safe bet for Joe Biden. It's abortion may not turn the tide for the Democrats, right? We don't have a popular vote. We've got an electoral college here. And if a Republican has a lead in national polling, that candidate is in a good position to win 270 electoral votes, right? George W. Bush and Trump both won more than 270 electoral votes while losing the national popular vote. But it's difficult for a Democrat to win 270 electoral votes while losing the national popular vote. So the Democratic votes in the country are clustered in the coasts and in the upper Midwest. The Democratic candidate, of course, is going to win California and New York, but Democrats wish they could spread out their voters into more states because they've got to win 270 electoral votes because they are so centered and clustered in these, the, in these areas of the country. Republicans are more spread out across the country, and that ends up being an advantage for us when it comes to the Electoral College. If Trump is ahead nationally, 
it could mean that he's also headed in places like Florida, Ohio, and Texas by a big margin, right? But it also means that he's probably competitive, if not ahead, in those states that he needs to win, like Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that that poll with him 10 points ahead should freak out Democrats at least a little bit. They've assumed since early 2021 that Trump had made himself unelectable, but quite a lot of polling indicates otherwise these days. It's going to be an interesting challenge. You can send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, let us know what's on your mind today at 573-319-1586. We've heard from our friend Quest Fanning today. He says these prosecutors are putting Dick back in indictment. One listener texted in for the very first time today, and we're glad to hear from them. They say gun laws hurt the lawful. Criminals will always obtain banned things. Amen. Bless you, sir. Thank you very much. If you're just tuning in the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel that you're watching us on this morning. We love seeing about 900 people watching us live over on Rumble. Thank you, Rumble.com, for featuring us. Up top on the website, we appreciate that very much. Helps us to grow. and. We certainly appreciate all of the support that we've been getting from all of our new friends that have been joining us today. But make sure that you subscribe to the channel. That way you don't forget uh, which channel you're watching when tomorrow morning you're like, hey, I want to hear from Judge Andrew Napolitano. I want to hear Austin Peterson and Judge Napolitano have a nice big brain conversation. Well, you can do so if, tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. when Judge Napolitano joins us for big brain time. We'll ask him about these allegations against Senator of bribery against Senator Bob Menendez. And it'll be interesting to hear his take on this one. I love reading the differences between the New York Post article on this and the Wall Street Journal article. Let's go ahead and get over to that because we've got just a few minutes until we get Cliff Maloney, who's going to be joining us this morning. Uh, please forgive me if you hear my voice starting to go and I'm, I'm taking more deep breaths. I think I'm starting to get catch a little cold or something. It's the COVID I'm going to die. No, God! No, no God, please, no! 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 Sorry. I know. Stop freaking out. Shut up. It's just a spicy flu. Anyways, so the New York Post says Senator Bob Menendez isn't giving up easily, but his defense is already looking desperate. How long before his colleagues talk him into admitting reality? The New York Post says that the utterly shameless Senator Bob Menendez needs to resign now. And I'm sure that probably a lot of people on the right and the people who are watching this show probably think, yeah, he should resign. But hold your thoughts before we get to that. Let's first of all, let's just talk about what he's being accused of. So, you know, Monday he was defiantly re announcing his re-election bid, and uh, he says that the gobs of cash that have been found uh, at his house were and gold, cash and gold. Which honestly, it sounds more like a libertarian thing. But he says that this apparently is a Cuban thing. Yes. <laughs> He says, for 30 years, I've withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account, which I've kept for emergencies, and because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba. Um, Bob, we're talking about a half a million dollars, $500,000. Plus, he never lived in Cuba. So why would you be worried about your money getting confiscated because of your family in the old country? Uh, you're worried about... Are you worried about the government that you're a senator of confiscating your money from your bank account? Uh, anyways, but according to the federal indictment against Senator Bob Menendez, 
The money that he got in these envelopes apparently had the fingerprints and the DNA of one of his co-defendants, uh, his, uh, his <laughs> Fred, da- I don't know how to pronounce this, Daibes. Uh, so the bills didn't come from the money, didn't come from his savings. They came from apparently his driver. And what about the $60,000 Mercedes that he has? And that was provided by another co-defendant, Joseph Uribe. Menendez uh, uh, had been indicted before back in 2017. But then once he had a hung jury, apparently he's seen that he got off. He saw that as a license to loot. Uh, The feds say they have proof of the following charges. He disrupted a federal prosecution into his co-defendant, Fred Daibes. He tampered with a Jersey state fraud prosecution of a business pal of co-defendant Joseph Uribe. So he's got his cronies and he's defending them and preventing them from being prosecuted. He provided sensitive secret U.S. information to Egyptian officials, which I'm pretty sure constitutes treason. And he also pressured the U.S. Agriculture Department to protect co-defendants exclusive monopoly to export halal certified U.S. foods to Egypt. He also helped Egyptian officials lobby for Senate approval of U.S. weapons sales. So they don't want, I guarantee you, Senator Bob Menendez has voted for some anti-gun legislation while he's a senator. So he does secret deals to provide U.S. arms to very likely terrorists in Egypt, right? Because they're run by the Muslim Brotherhood, which is a terrorist organization in my view anyway. I know the State Department may not see it that way. But then, of course, we can't have these guns. They'll they'll give guns to Ukraine, they'll give guns to Egypt, and they'll do secret dirty deals that involve bribery to get cash for themselves to transfer guns to terrorists, but they don't trust you with those guns. It's just... It's obviously it's ridiculous. All right. Well, Cliff Maloney, he's a former Ron Paul and a Rand Paul staffer, put out a really funny video yesterday call, uh, calling out Senator Bob Menendez, and he is going to take him on when we get back. I'm going to tell him why I think he shouldn't resign. It's in our best interest. We'll talk about that when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad to have you here. Happy Tuesday. Hope you're in a good mood today. Good, good. Well, glad to have you here. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoy the content that you're watching this morning, don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel. The Wake Up America shows every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m to 9 a.m. Central Time. We're grateful and glad to have you here. And if you want to have your voice or opinion heard on the show today, you can text us in at 573-319-1586. Again, you can send us a text at 573-319-1586. Glad to have all of our friends here. The Onion Dip, Robbie Thurman, Studio 314 is here as well as Corey and Callie and my lovely wife Stephanie Peterson is here as well. Hi Steffi. Torvarin is joining us as well as Bell R, my buddy Richard, Quest Fanning, Andy Opperman, Joni Rankin, Katie556, Brindle Bear, Kermode Bear, Grover Bentley, all of the gang. Nice to see you here as well as 669. Oh nice. <laughs> People watching us live this morning, don't forget to click like and subscribe and come back and join us tomorrow morning. We appreciate y'all very much. Time to rock and roll. All right. Well, Senator Bob Menendez, 
New Jersey senator is in hot water for uh, bribery allegations. And one of his best friends, you know that Anna Navarro chick from The View? Yeah, the super annoying Latina chick. Well, apparently her and uh, Bob Menendez are like best friends or something like that, or at least have been for a number of years. And she was asked to comment on uh, the uh, Senator Bob Menendez situation. Take a look and a listen here. Ah, look, this one for me, no, this one for me is not easy. I have known Bob Menendez for almost 30 years. I have worked with him on many, many issues. There is not a an important issue to the Latino community. There's not an important issue about freedom around the world about freedom in Latin America that he has not been on the forefront of. He is the most senior Latino in Congress. He is he was the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. I can tell you, I have worked with him time and time again, brought many wealthy clients to him, brought many issues in front of him. Never has there been any hint of impropriety. Never. Wait a minute. What? So that's uh, listen, if somebody is under indictment for bribery, are you really going to go out there on national TV and not only one defend him, but tell him that tell everybody that you brought in many, many wealthy clients? (laughs) Well, nobody ever accused any of the women on The View of being smart. So we're going to have to bring in some pinch hitters. Someone who's very smart because, you know, they're intelligent. If they were a former Ron Paul and Rand Paul staffer, Uh, One of the biggest freedom fighters out there, Cliff Maloney, who's joining us live right now from Sedalia, Missouri. Good morning. How are you doing, Cliff? AP, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, So I read the New York Post article uh, that says Havana laugh, having a laugh. Very good. Very funny. Uh, And then I read the Wall Street Journal's op-ed on Senator Bob Menendez. New York Post is calling for him to step down. But the Wall Street Journal is saying... No, innocent until proven guilty. Let him have his day in court. Oh, and let him drag this out throughout the whole election cycle until next year, because he announced that he's running for re-election. So are you more New York Post on the Bob Menendez, or are you more Wall Street Journal? Well, it depends on if he's guilty or innocent. I mean, I think, uh, you know, if I'm Bob Menendez, I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you're guilty, you know, I mean, this looks pretty bad, right? When you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash, not just in your safe, but in your pocket jackets, which are your U.S. Senator jackets uh, and all of these gold bars. I mean, it looks pretty bad. So if you are guilty, you know, admit it. Uh, it's, it's time to at least come clean or, you know, the, the easy way to do it in politics is figure out some sort of deal and then resign and see yourself on the sideline. If you're not, I'd be doing what he's doing right now, which is fighting like hell. I mean, he just put out a statement to those who were digging my political grave so that they could jump into my seat. I know who you are, and I will not forget you. That is the type of (laughs) statement that I actually get excited about, regardless of party, right? Regardless of ideology. That's like Don Corleone. Don Corleone. (laughs) That's like some Godfather stuff there. Right. And I'm I'm not some, you know, Menendez fan, but it's like, if you do have nothing to hide, that's the right statement. Because how can you not see the politics of this when your own governor, a Democrat, And these other Democrats are now coming out saying, you know, it's time to resign when clearly it benefits them with political opportunity. So it's very tough for me to take this seriously. And, you know, I mean, I've seen this before when there is somebody in power and folks are gunning for them, the people below them, you learn who your friends are. You know, if they have a shot at your seat or if they believe that you being, you know, kind of hung out to dry benefits them, unfortunately, many people take that path. 
it's a little personal for both of us, Cliff. We've both been on <laughs> we've both been on the uh, the knife end uh, of that one uh, because of, due to our political career. There, uh, uh, Harry Truman, uh, only president from the great state of Missouri, where you and I both reside right now. He says, "If you want loyalty in politics, get a dog." It's true, right? Very true. That's why I bought two of them. I've got two labs here to uh, to keep me company. Um, because, yeah, I mean, the reality is anytime that you think you've got somebody who is very loyal in politics, and I use that word because, you know, it is the adjudication of power, right? I've said on your show before, you know, a lot of people think of politics as this good, uh, good of the nation, public policy type arena. Uh, no, it's poly, which is many and ticks, blood sucking creatures. And we can laugh about that. But the reality is the more time you spend in the game, you realize that there are winners and there are losers. And people want to be on the winning side. But here's the best part about Bob Menendez being focused on by the DOJ for, you know, for the indictment of his so-called corruption. We don't consider Nancy Pelosi getting rich off of her insider trading or, excuse me, alleged. By the way, I love how they always have to say, well, it's alleged that Bob Menendez did this or, you know, according to the report, as if they're not destroying his name. Right. That's always what gets me the most. I mean, once they put it out, they run with it. But you don't see them going after Nancy Pelosi because it's legal, technically legal, what she's doing. You don't see them going after Mitch McConnell or Chuck Schumer, even though, of course, they're lining their pockets. We'll call it political pockets with donations because of how they build their budget, their budgets in these continuing resolutions. So the only thing Menendez did wrong, according to the rest of them, is he took cash and gold bars. Right. The rest of them take political donations. They take political favors. So I think you have to look at it with a little bit of, you know, tongue in cheek and say, well, OK, I'm not defending what he did. But let's also call out Pelosi, Schumer, McConnell, the McCarthy's of the world, all of these establishment hacks that write these budgets that benefit their political friends. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Ken Paxton, right, where, you know, there's blood in the water and like all the sharks start circling. I mean, what it's not to say that, you know, uh, Menendez isn't guilty. I think he probably is. But with Ken Paxton, it was a similar situation where as soon as they smelled blood, all of these Republicans started circling. His own party is was trying to take him down. Do you see the similarities? Oh, absolutely. I mean, thank God for Matt Rinaldi, Jonathan Sticklin, Luke Macias, and these guys in Texas that, you know, stood up for Ken Paxton, went in, mobilized the grassroots. And it was so funny, Austin, to see all these elected officials who thought that the wind was going towards Ken being indicted. And you see them do this complete about face once the grassroots and, and actually the state party of Texas, which I would say is one of the most liberty friendly state parties run by uh, Matt Rinaldi, the chairman. They just said, no, we're going to pressure. We're going to use the grassroots to push back on this political hitch up. And that's what all the politicians did. They immediately reversed course. And that's that's what's hilarious. I was I was listening to a uh, don't judge me for this, a, a CNN audio uh, clip about this uh, whole indictment. And it was hilarious because it said, well, why do you think that Donald Trump, you know, why do you think that there aren't more Republicans calling for Donald Trump to resign? Because he's been indicted in 91 counts. And, you know, they, they always use that number 91 counts as if uh, there's been 91 different incidents. But that's for a whole nother day. But they said something that I thought was very, very accurate. They said Republicans aren't calling for Donald Trump to resign because their very own Republican voters, they'll have a high opinion of Trump. 
And I think that's what's important. These, these, these leaders or so-called politicians, they're followers, right? They follow what the polls tell them, you know, not just on policy, right? We all know that based on votes and policy, but they follow the polls based on things like public statements for, you know, pressuring people for resignations. And so I think you saw that in Texas, where once they realized, oh, crap, the grassroots is rising up, voters in the Republican Party don't want this, they changed course. That's why people aren't calling for Trump to resign. But right now, these Democrats are testing the water. You know, those that can politically benefit from Menendez being ousted, they're seeing just how much. And if public polling for his reelection starts to dip, this is where Democrats are in unison. They will all start to come out and call for his resignation. I'm calling it right here, right now. You watch. If his numbers drop enough, they will all get in line and call for his resignation. (laughs) That's going to be interesting. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Glad to have you here. Thanks so much for tuning into the channel. Make sure that you click like and subscribe to the Wake Up America show channel here at AP for Liberty so you can get updates when we go live, which is every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. And give it up for Rumble.com. Not only have they been featuring us on the front page of their website, which has brought hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of viewers to our channel and our show. Thank you, Rumble. But they've stood up against cancel culture and said that when the advertisers come and say, we're going to pull our ads because somebody may be guilty at something at some point in time, or just they may have been credibly accused that they're going to pull their advertising that that Rumble has said, we're still going to stand up for free speech. And they allow people like Russell Brand to remain on the platform who's innocent until proven guilty. And just even the little guys like myself, who three weeks ago got demonetized on YouTube And Rumble says, you know what, we're going to give the Wake Up America show a chance. And they stood up for us when not a lot of people would. So thank you very much to Rumble.com. We appreciate you very much. Have you been following this story here with Russell Brand and all these allegations that are being made against him? What's happening with YouTube and the cancel culture uh, that's coming after him? I mean, it, it stinks to high heaven, in my opinion. Cliff, what do you think? Well, it's a 10-year-old accusation. There's no physical evidence. There's no corroborating witnesses. Um, I won't speak from experience. We can talk about that in a couple months here. Um, But I will tell you, something smells, right? When something like this comes out, you have to look at the ramifications of why. And I think that's always the question that, you know, your detractors are never going to ask, the people that are political opponents of you, the people that ideologically find you to be, you know, a disgrace, Um, they're never going to ask those questions, right? They're going to run with something like this. And once the headlines are out there, by the way, here's here's the sick part. If Russell Brand, if it comes to be that he's fully exonerated, if he's cleared of all charges, if you know nothing ever comes of this in an official sense, there won't be those articles, right? There won't be the the round of media, the newspapers won't have on their cover, you know, Russell Brand exonerated, cleared of everything. And I think that's the part that a lot of people through this entire Me Too militant feminist uh, regime, I think what people are starting to realize is, you know, it's very much just, oh, there's an accusation, go in, go in, go in, go to war, go to war, destroy somebody's name. And they're not actually thinking about, you know, or, or I actually think it's worse than that. They are thinking about, they don't care about the ramifications of what happens because it's just a tool. And so I always warn anybody who goes through this, and I can tell you from experience, the good articles will not come out, right? And so I don't, I don't want to say the damage is done, but at this point, you know, he has to worry about two things. One, you know, what do criminal charges look like if they come about? And two, are there copycats? 
right? People want attention. I mean, that's the one thing that I think finally is swinging back when it comes to the Me Too stuff. You're not seeing it as much where people pile on. Well, he sent me a text message with a winky face once. I'm a victim, <laughs> right? Why? What are you talking about? You know, we, we were just at dinner last week. What, what do you mean a winky face from three years ago? That's insane. So I, I, I worry about the guy. I think his, his ability to talk out during COVID, his ability to push back on the narrative, um, you know, has created a new lane for him. But I think that most people uh, in the establishment and the elites, they don't like that. They, they want to make sure that he is put back in his place. And um, yeah, I, I have to root for innocent until proven guilty. But as we find, sometimes that can be a farce and uh, you can get lit up early. And that's that's the whole point of what they're trying to do. Yeah, it's true. A lot of people, if they're not in the public sphere and they've never had to worry about these kinds of accusations at this level, it, it, it is, uh, it's, you're damned, you know, you're, no matter what happens, you're damned by the search engines because uh, all anybody needs is a decent website and an understanding of how to get something on google.com, which isn't that hard. And they can write blogs and they can get you smeared and try and, you know, use their connections to try and get a mainstream journals and publications. And once they've written those hit pieces, once they've spread the lies, what may be lies, uh, uh, more often than not, it's too late. You know, that goes up to the top of your search engine. Your career is over. An employer isn't going to want to touch you because somebody wrote a hit piece against you, a blog that may or may not be true. And it just so happens that you're on the front page. That's on the front page of search results, because, of course, Everybody loves to read that kind of gossip and all that kind of stuff. So it goes up to the top of the search engines. And like you say, they're not going to write an article afterwards and say, totally exonerated. He was actually a good guy. This person was a liar. Let's go after them and all that. That's just not how this works, right? Yeah. And I think that a lot of people, you know, have come to realize it's because it doesn't sell clicks. It doesn't sell it doesn't papers. Sell. Yes. Right. I mean, the, the, the smut, if you will, uh, the, the, in the gutter type stuff is, is, is that a word I'm allowed to say? Anyway, the yeah. in the gutter type stuff is, is what sells. And I think, uh, you know, you know, this from, from working in uh, cable television and network news, you know, everything is selling ads. Um, you know, even here, I mean, I don't, I don't mean that like, like all eyeballs are, you know, advertisers want eyeballs. And so, you know, you're going to get all of the nasty graphic accusations everywhere. You know, nobody's going to miss writing that story, but then when it comes time to clear his name, you know, it's crickets. So it's an unfortunate part of our process. Um, I do say that innocent until proven guilty, you know, I do think the court of law is, is one of the most beautiful things we still have in America, the courts. Um, but when it comes to the media using the courts, it can be very tough to recover. Uh, one last question here for you, Cliff. Uh, when it comes to cancel culture, my argument ha has been that we are, it, even though we don't want to live in a society where anybody can be, can be canceled for any reason, we live in that society right now. The left has, is going after our advertisers. They're going after our check, our, our ability to, to engage in banking. Uh, you know, they they did that to Laura Loomer, for example, they're they've done this, they bankrupted Alex Jones. Uh, and for they're trying to do it to Russell Brand right now, they're trying to bankrupt him, for example. Uh, and the conservatives I see are finally starting to push back with their boycott of Bud Light, for example, I saw my buddy uh, studio 314 over at rumble.com this morning. He just said a few minutes ago, he says he was going to go get some food yesterday. He was near a Burger King, but he turned right and he went to Wendy's instead. 
Should we fight fire with fire? Um, I think we should. I, I you know, I actually kind of like a Whopper from every now and then, but I, I think I'm going to go to Wendy's instead. I'm going to try, I'm going to spend my money where it matters. Do you think that we should be doing things like this, like what we did to Bud Light? Yeah, I absolutely do. And I think a lot of people on our side get this wrong and thinking like, you know, well, should there be a cancel culture? I'm like, listen, it's probably the most free market thing in the world. The problem is, right, a, a real cancel, cancel culture. You know, people can decide who they want to associate with and who they don't want to. But what I think happens now is you have government funding organizations like Facebook. You have government getting involved in certain things when it comes to YouTube's ownership and YouTube's, you know, uh, who they censor and who they don't. So that's why I don't want to call it cronyism because we've all said that word a million times, but it's, let's call it crony cancel culturism. I don't know. But what it does is it allows this, this kind of government infused uh, way for people to be shut down. I'm all for free association. Um, but I think a lot of times I hear, I hear people, and I used to think that they were too wonky talking about, you know, alternate economies and creating, you know, different paths and just, you know, it's not just oh, create your own Facebook, but, but really creating different economies that, that folks can engage with as an alternative, right? So if you want to call that fighting fire with fire, yeah, I, I absolutely think, you know, Burger King is somewhere that when I was a kid in high school, I've always thought this video would cancel me, by the way, and it, it ended up being other things. But there was this video of me doing a Whopper parody uh, to a, uh, uh, a My New Haircut video, which if you know that, you're, you're, you're going way back, Austin. But anyway, there's this My New Haircut YouTube video. We did a Whopper parody for Burger King. And like two of my buddies were texting me yesterday after the whole you know, Burger King rumble thing. And it was funny. They were like, are you going to go to Burger King? And I had to say no. Like... I think we need to stand up and we need to take those small decisions. Now, look, people said during the pandemic, well, you know, you said you wouldn't wear a mask. Why are you flying? And it's like, okay, well, sometimes there are situations you end up at a rest stop, you're starving, it's two in the morning, and there's only Burger King. But when you have the real choice, I always encourage people take the choice that helps the market, send the signals to shut down these woke monsters, make them pay for their mistakes. They made the decision, they weren't forced to. And if they want to go that route, well, we'll play, you know, we'll play back at them. I completely agree with you on that one. Cliff Maloney, anything else you want to share or plug before we let you go today? No, CliffMaloney.com. Subscribe. Check me out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, appreciate you uh, fighting for liberty as always, Austin. Absolutely, Cliff. I couldn't do anything else. Thanks very much for your time. Tell Grace we said hello and have a wonderful day. See you all. Thank you. What do you think of Cliff Maloney? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show at 573-319-1586. Well, Pearl Davis, aka Just Pearly Things, she's kind of like the female Andrew Tate, if you will, is, uh, well, she's getting attacked for some of her comments about traditional marriage. Matt Walsh attacked her specifically. We're going to talk to Camelia Peterson about that in a couple of minutes, but this was a video yesterday that was going viral where they claim this is the reason why Pearl hates other women. Take a listen to this. You listen to this man. And I have one, one answer for you. Low self-esteem. Yeah, that's real. Her answer to the question, why do you listen to this sexist trash, basically boils down to, oh, it's because I hate myself. From a young age, I haven't thought highly of myself. I never thought that I deserved a lot, to be honest. Um, I never thought of myself as a queen. 
Um, and I never thought of myself <laughs> super highly. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna just be honest here. From a young age, um, I was what you call humbled. Okay, most of my friends, right, were generally like more attractive than me. I was never the hot friend. Most guys, even the, the average guys, they would ask me about my friend first. And if that didn't work out, then, then they would come crawling to me. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I would say low self-esteem. Um, that's the main one. And yeah, being humbled. That's why I can listen to Manosphere content. Manos, that's why I can listen to Manosphere content. So Matt Walsh is attacking Pearl Davis because of comments that she made about traditional marriage, that it's not a really in all that, that it's not in men's favor. And Matt Walsh is saying, well, you have to do that anyway. And Camelia, who apparently can't stand Pearl and also can't stand Matt Walsh, now has to pick sides and she's chosen to side with Matt Walsh, which is interesting. He's king of the traditional conservatives. When it comes to marriage, is it a good thing for men? I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, that's 573-319-1586. Your thoughts on traditional marriage. All right, now it's time to talk about our sponsors. When I was just a little podcaster a year ago, streaming to 20 or 30 people in the mornings, Lear Capital came to visit and they said, Austin, we're going to take this on you and we're going to invest in the Wake Up America show because we think that your audience will benefit and we will benefit and you will benefit and everyone will benefit if your audience hears about the offerings at Lear Capital. Here now, a year later, and there's what, like 500 people streaming, watching us live right now? Wild. 580 people watching us live right now. Now Lear Capital gets to enjoy the benefits. I got mess a message from them this last week that they had two new people inquire about Lear Capital's gold and silver offerings. So thank you if you're one of the two who reached out to Lear Capital. They've got an incredible deal going on right now. You've probably heard me talk about it. Don't tune me out just yet. I know that you're saying, Austin, what is this? It's like that uh, Christmas story where he's like, oh, it's a crummy commercial. This is not just a crummy commercial. This is your opportunity to finally secure your financial freedom and get a $500 account credit when you make your very first purchase of gold at Lear Capital. Yes, if you want to get involved in investing in your financial future, gold or silver is where it's at. I highly recommend and endorse Lear Capital. And you can visit them today at LearAustin.com. But if you want to get the $500 account credit, you got to call them at 1-800-885-2175. Again, you got to give them a call at the number that you see on that screen. Call them today, 1-800-885-2175. they got some of the best prices in town. And how can you beat a $500 account credit to get started? If you've been thinking about investing in gold or silver, today's the day. They are the precious metals leader that I endorse and recommend, not only to you, my listener, but also to my own family as well. I recommended it to my mother-in-law. And you think that I would take a risk on alienating my mother-in-law? No, I love my mother-in-law. And I care about her future. I care about my family's future, which is why I'm glad to recommend Lear Capital. Call them today to get that $500 account credit at 1-800-885-2175 today or visit LearAustin.com. Again, you want the $500 account credit, you got to call that number. Okay, Camelia Peterson coming up next. She's going to have to defend somebody that she doesn't like, and that's why this show is so much fun. When we get back on the Wake Up America show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com. 
Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Don't forget, click that like button and subscribe to the channel if you enjoy the content that you're seeing and hearing today. The Wake Up America Show is every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Just a year ago, we were only streaming to maybe 20 or 30 people. And now, thanks to Rumble.com, here we are with 500 people watching us live this morning. It's a miracle. God bless us, everyone, saith Tiny Tim. We are getting into the holiday season after all. And since the holiday season is almost here, have you ever seen one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made, Die Hard? Well, I bet money that my next guest has not seen it because she lived in the woods, she was a Mennonite, she had no pop culture awareness. So I guarantee she hasn't seen Die Hard. Well, anyways, in one of the famous scenes from Die Hard, when John McClane uh, kills one of the German terrorists, he paints in blood on his sweater, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Well, we've got those sweaters in stock at ap4libertyshop.com. So help us to support the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty with one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made over at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. I got me one on the way. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Well, I can't actually afford an actual real machine gun, so, but I can't afford the sweater. All right. One of our listeners texted in this morning on the topic that we're about to breach with my next guest. He says, as a male, traditional marriage with a good woman is great. Traditional marriage with a trash woman will end up in the trash. He says he's lucky enough to have a good woman. I agree completely. Though pearly things, just pearly things, as most of you know, she is a red pill YouTuber. Some people say that she's just a grifter, but sometimes she makes some good points when it comes to the fact that for many men, if not most men, marriage can, well, it can be a raw deal, especially if you've ever had to fight it out in the family courts. Well, now the king of the traditional conservatives, king of the tradcons, Matt Walsh, is out attacking Pearly Davis for her views about tradcons. And it gets a little bit into the weeds, which I'll try and avoid right now. So maybe we ought to just embarrass my next guest and let her explain it to us. Camelia Peterson, who joins us every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 a.m. Central. What's up, CJ? Good morning. I know you're <laughs> a big like... Matt Walsh fan and a big Pearl fan, so you're excited for this. Right. Wow. I mean, you know, it's like when you ask me, gun to your head, who do you want to vote for, uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you said you'd vote for Donald Trump, and you said it on I this did. show, and I should right. probably clip it and post it everywhere. Um, CJ, well, before and, we get know, started, what the what is this chart behind you here? What are we looking at? Oh, well, in honor of Pearl and her infamous whiteboards where she does bad drawings with terrible spelling and, you know, illustrates things, uh, I think this one is just perfect for her as she has a hierarchy of whoredom where she goes through all of the ways, uh, you know, that what makes women whores. So, wow. Uh, so what can, would you mind just l let's see here. So the hierarchy of, of whoredom. Here we go. So can you can you kind of sc scooch aside for a little bit? Can you can you just move over oh. a little bit? Yeah. Just scooch get. out of the way. There you go. OK, so at the very bottom hooker. OK, underneath uh, above that porn star. Oh, only fans. Only uh, fans. Yeah. So I guess strippers, strippers is strippers is above only fans because you actually have to show up to work. OK, high body count. Yes, I would say definitely whoredom right there. Single mom. Yep. Gets pretty bad. Um, low body count. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And then virgin. Oh, I guess we need to hit the magical uh, <laughs> chart up there. Okay. There you go. Okay. So, um, so what is this beef that Pearlie Davis and Matt Walsh, why are they flinging poo at each other? 
Oh, well, I think it's because Pearl is going around telling um, telling men that they should not get married. And, you know, at the same time that she's bashing women and she's also at the same time trashing traditional marriage. Um, and so Matt Walsh and is very much traditional marriage. And there's, you know, there's a lot wrong on both sides. Well, maybe not a lot wrong on one side and the other, but um, they're both wrong in a lot of ways. But I had to side with Matt Walsh in this because, you know, Pearl is basically telling guys to be blackpilled. And that's a terrible idea. So when you say blackpilled, you know, that there's no hope for them in marriage. But don't the statistics somewhat bear that out? And aren't a lot of men getting screwed in divorce courts when it comes to the ability to see their children? I mean, it's she does make some good points. Uh, she makes some good points that she regurgitates from other sources. But ah. um, <laughs> like there's nothing original with Pearl. Um, but the thing is, is that they those those statistics and those things that get talked about get skewed a lot. Um, there is, I mean, there are certain truths, like more women file for divorce. But as far as the idea that men are getting, you know, really screwed over with alimony and things like that, that's not, that was maybe true at one time. That's not so true anymore. And I do think that that's partly changing because there has been such a backlash um, for men's rights in family court. And, you know, I mentioned it before, even in Missouri, we just had a law that was passed that basically requires judges to start from the assumption that 50-50 custody is best for the child. And then they can adjust from there based on, you know, the, the circumstances of the family life and such. And the thing is, it's like, it's, you know, it doesn't always go women's way anymore. I know we like to really highlight that, but the truth is it don't. And I know it doesn't. And I know a lot of people where it hasn't. Women who, you know, if you just listen to the the, the manosphere, so to speak. And when I say listen to the manosphere, I mean the loudest voices. And we're talking like voices like um, Andrew Tate and Pearl and people like that. Those are not truly representative of what is really at its core, you know, red pill philosophy and the masculinity movement. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, because I listen to a lot of of, the, of those guys. I don't typically listen to Pearl or Andrew Tate just because I think that they say a lot of these uh, a lot of things that they don't really believe because they think that it's going to get them more attention and 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 it certainly does. I right. I listen to Manosphere content that I think makes you know it, it has a little bit more uh, you know. Of a strong intellectual content to it it's not just about triggering the left or whatever or triggering the trad cons but i do see that it is true 70 percent nearly 70 percent of divorces are initiated by the wife nearly 70 percent um and you know that's something that men need to know before they get into marriage these days and there is a problem right. with trad cons are telling us well, you, yeah, I saw a Ben Shapiro video the other day where he's like, he's like, more and more people are, are get, waiting until their their later life to get married, and and that that's just a mistake, you know. And then gang, you know, like, every you need to get married when you're when you're young. There, dude, these you're setting us up for failure. That that would have been such a stupid move of me to go and get married in my twenties, my late twenties, or even in my thirties. It was if I had if I hadn't waited, I wouldn't have found the the right woman, the person who is actually has traditional values because let's be honest camellia most women these days don't have traditional values most of the women these days that men might be dating are on that hierarchy of whoredom right there behind you so they should avoid like the plague pearl makes a good point um she does make a good point in some ways i think where she takes it too far is that that's 
all she puts out there. She doesn't ever put out, she doesn't put out the, the say educational content that actual, um, you know, people who are doing good work in the masculinity movement are doing, which is teaching men, okay, this is what, you know, these realities are what should inform your decisions. But here are the things that you need to do for yourself to work on yourself and um, to, you know, you not accept these things. Know what you want to accept. Know what you're okay with. And, you know, you don't have to, you know, roll over for everything that comes along, you know, in, in whatever the feminist movement has been saying that men should be doing. Um, so I think that that is the biggest difference. And um, so I will admit that um, in my spare time on Saturdays or Sundays when I'm doing my womanly duty and washing duty, dishes in the kitchen, that I will occasionally listen to some red pill content on YouTube. <laughs> and I heard the panel, I listened to a panel the other day, which was actually really good. Um, had a couple of people that I, I value their opinion quite a bit on things. And one of them is a divorce attorney who has a great perspective on things. He sees a lot of it. Um, and then they had a, a TradCon guy on there who basically was um, sort of trying to ride the fence on saying the state should be out of marriage. But he was talking about how that um, divorce rates have risen so much and we need to get rid of no-fault divorce. That's been like the thing you hear all the time lately is like, we need to get rid of no-fault no divorce and that'll fix everything. <laughs> and so, you know, it was really interesting listening to this because what it boiled down to uh, on the TradCon guy's part was that he basically wanted there to be an authoritarian entity to enforce consequences for divorce, to punish women um, for wanting out of marriages. And, you know, the, the irony is that we don't really ever talk about, you know, the men who contribute to failed marriages. You know, we're really only talking why, about women but, right now. But why should there There's be your backlash. no but why should there be no consequences to breaking a contract with somebody? Why shouldn't we punish women for divorcing their husbands? If 70% of marriages are being instituted by women, it's it's a sign to me that women are actually incentivized to leave their husbands. Something's broken. Maybe. I, I don't know. You know, honestly, if you really look at the numbers, um, women, men, far more than women, when you look at post-divorce, men are coming out financially better off than women are. And there's good reason for that, because women who are in marriages for, you know, several, especially if they are women who have gone the traditional route and they have stayed home for a significant amount of time, it's like starting over. And yeah, I'm a little biased here because I've been there and done that. But I mean, it, it is also a reality. It's not just me saying. No, this. no, it's true. And, no, they, they, but here's the thing. My, all the money in the world can't buy me love, right? Can't buy access to your kids. And for some, sure. you know, if, if money is the most important thing and men are coming out better financially from that, well then, yeah, you know, you, congratulations, but you can't ever see your kids and, you know, because they live with their mom or whatever, right? Or whatever, right? Because of the way that the family court situation is. So that is a problem of, of misplaced priorities there, I think, when it comes to this. But here's the thing that that I see the problem here with Matt Walsh, right? Is, is so he's criticizing Pearl Davis. He said she says the issue you're going to get with tradcons is that they're typically above average in some way. They live a different reality. Tall, wealthy men, successful, are better able to recover after a divorce. That's a good point. She says it's the average man. <laughs> well, the tradcons that you see are are typically, you know average looking at, at best, right? But there are a lot of like good looking traditional conservative men, right? Chads. But she says it's the average men, the truck drivers, construction workers, plumbers that are financially ruined and contemplate self-deletion. 
men are eight times more likely to self-delete after a divorce. So you get these rich men encouraging men to sign up for marriage without warning them any of any of the risks. They've spent little to no time listening to what these men have gone through, and their solution is just, quote, pick a good woman. They have no idea how much a woman changes during a divorce, and typically there's nothing the man could have done. How would you respond to that? So I think she does have some good points here and some things that are true. And I think it also kind of goes to show that we've had this we've had this mistaken um, interpretation of men and women and their tendencies and women are the romantics and the you know, we, we think of women as being emotional, but we also think of them as, you know, having the monopoly on empathy and feelings and Actually, the opposite is a lot true in a lot of ways. Men are really more so the romantics. They tend to be more sentimental about things. And uh, it absolutely makes sense to me that men take it harder um, when, you know, there's when a divorce comes up. And I, all of the stats that talk about men, you know, uh, committing suicide at a higher rate, those are all true things. Um, and she's right that when uh, Matt Walt, when they say, you know, just pick a better wife. OK, well, that's not right. That's not helpful either. But Matt Walsh also had a really good point in that Pearl was coming at this with uh, all of these points that she parrots from other people. But she really has no there's something also to be said for lived experience. Pearl is I don't know how old she is now. She's, I don't know, approaching 30 if she's not already. Um, She's single. She's not married. I mean, she's unmarried. You know, not she's a just virgin. Like, she doesn't have kids, right? You know, like I. Yes, that's. I guess so. Like, it's important. Really, it's I don't important. Care. I guess. Uh, well, but, you yeah. guess. Yeah, I'll get to. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, I just. I don't know that she can speak from a position of authority on this whatsoever. Really. Um, but that, that's just the thing is like the the traditional conservatives on the right, particularly religious, are not coming along with any solutions either other than marriage right. counseling. Right. And it's true that even in the churches that men are kind of taught that, you know, happy wife, happy life. Yes. And you are servant leaders and you serve the the women in your family. Right. And, you know, it's like it's an irony in, in Shut the Shut up, sit down role. and go to war. What, what we're really talking about here, Camelia, is male disposability. And we have, sure. you know, I will beat this horse. I don't care how dead it is. I don't care if it died 150 years ago. I will continue to beat this horse. Is that traditional conservatives see male men as disposable when in regards to uh, their family, not only sacrificing for their family, which we all understand that sacrifice is something that has to be done sometimes when we are in, a, in it, when we have to compromise. But not only do the, do many traditional conservatives want us to sacrifice when it comes to getting married and possibly taking the risk of losing our kids, but they also many of them want to throw our lives away in no-win wars overseas whenever it comes whenever it is convenient to them. And then, of course, the left, when it comes to postmodern feminism and Marxism, not only are they do they see men as disposable, but they want to dispose of us entirely and to wipe us off of the map. So there's this sort of pincer effect that's, that, uh, that happens where male disposability is a foregone conclusion, whether you're left or whether you're right. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about the Red Pill community and about people like Pearl, because they don't see men as disposable. 
as something whose bodies just need to be thrown on the fire for like so much kindling, like Mike Pence, who is a very traditional conservative himself. Mike Pence wants to throw all of our American boys' bodies on the fire over in Ukraine, right? Matt Walsh wants to throw our bodies on the fires of divorce courts and the and the unfair family litigation system that we have in the United States. And of course, the left wants to throw our bodies in literal fires here just for the fact that we are men. So yeah. Pearl, I, I think, while, while being inartful, has recognized a problem in the United States where what you know what I would use these these two words that I think really indemnifies the 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 trad cons. It's this word that they use called man up. And yeah. there's nothing there's nothing I hate more than to listen, especially to hear from a woman's lips, right? Like you want to pull a Ronald Reagan from that movie where he slapped that bitch across the face, right? Just shut up, woman. Like like I don't need to be told. I don't need to be lectured to about masculinity from a woman, right? I just heard this. Uh, this New York Times article, for example, I shared yesterday, New York Times, modern masculinity is broken. She knows how to fix it. Shut up, bitch. I don't want to hear your opinion about masculinity. If no vagina, no opinion, no ovaries, no opinion, no dick and balls, no opinion. Ladies, take a back seat and learn when to shut up. Do Can I ask you, Camelia, when it comes to masculinity, do more women need to shut their goddamn mouths uh, yes, you will find no argument from me thank on this. You, thank you. Uh, this thank is... you. Shut up. <laughs> Shut the I, up, ladies. Shut up. Shut up and sit my, down and listen. <laughs> it has been my firm stance that women have no business telling men how they need to be men and telling men. I mean, they. I, I personally believe that women have no business even providing counseling or therapy to men. Um, I just think that they don't have. I don't have they think they have the right context for it. And, you know, as much as people like to say that therapists and counselors can be, you know, objective, uh, that's not really true. Uh, I mean, it just yeah. it just can't be. But the the thing is, it's like we we live in a world of extremes and we go from one extreme to the other. And the people that and the reason I don't like people like Pearl is that Pearl actually exacerbates the problem that she is pointing out because she does nothing but confirm all of these uh, biases and whether they're true or not. And by the way, she says some absolutely asinine things that are not true. But, sure. you know, whether they're true or not, you know, she's she's confirming biases. And like, if you say something to disagree with her, oh, man, the simp army cometh. They like, you know, they will come march to her defense. And it's crazy because. You know, people, you can tell the difference in the men who are really invested in actually making a change in their lives and looking for a better way forward. And the people who just want to wallow in, you know, their their unfortunate circumstances. Is exactly. I just I just I'm so tired of like it's one thing for like trad cons, you know, like especially the men to say things like man up and like, you know, no offense. I mean, I like Matt Walsh to some extent for his documentary. What is a woman? That was brilliant. Right. And I and I genuinely like Ben Shapiro. But these are not paragons of masculinity, right? These are not no, the type. These no. are not. They're not Chads or Tyrones, right? So, so, and when it comes to the question of like man up, first of all, I don't want to hear a word from a traditional conservative female. Okay, first of all, you shouldn't be on the internet in the first place. Okay, you should be focused. <laughs> you should. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. If you're a little bit more progressive, or you're a little bit more libertarian, like yourself, or like my wife, or like others, and you happen to think women should be allowed to vote, and you have a little bit more progressive social views when it comes to women. I don't mind. But if you are a traditional social conservative female, I don't even think you should be speaking in church. And I'm not even religious, 
right? You need to follow, you need to not be a hypocrite and have the courage of your convictions. That's one thing. Ladies, traditional conservative ladies, quiet down and stop showing your boobs on the internet and your ass and tell me you're a traditional conservative because that's another uh, question entirely. But when it comes to tr tr tradcon men and they say things like man up, first of all, you better be a man. Okay. You can't have the, like the little sunken chest and all that. You need to at least be able to take me in a fight. And I'm not like jacked or anything like that, but like you need to like be able to at least take me right. If you're going to tell somebody like me to man up because I like musical theater and music and art and philosophy, like you need to at least be able to kick my ass. But most of the time, my problem when people say man up is it really is a way for them to avoid having a discussion. It's, an, right. it's telling a man to man up is a way to say, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with what you're feeling right now and what you're expressing right now as another man. You're, you're making me uncomfortable. And right. I'm, I want to avoid having a difficult conversation about my emotions because I'm incapable. I don't have the language to do so. And I'm uncomfortable to do so. That's what we, that's what usually most people mean when they say man up. Now, some 300 pound, you know, incredible Hulk dude who's got 16 kids and lives out in the woods and has more guns than I do and can beat my ass tells me to man up. I might take a lesson and I might take a lesson from him. But if you're like little Ben Shapiro or like Matt Walsh, who hides behind his beard as a, as a semblance of his masculinity, and you tell someone like me to man up when it comes to marriage, fight me, bitch, like get in the, the ring and tell me that you're like, show me that you're more of a man, because I guarantee you I can kick your ass. I guarantee you I can take you in a debate. And I guarantee you that I'm more emotionally available to my wife and my friends than you are. And that I have a much less lower chance of committing suicide than somebody like you does when you eventually turn into the next Steven Crowder and you're the traditional conservative whose wife left him and your life is in shambles. So the trad cons don't have it right when it comes to the emotional questions in regards to why men are self-deleting. The red pill community largely doesn't have it because either either hypocrites on this or they're just, you know, they're they're baiting for clicks. And certainly I don't want to hear from any women's opinions on this one. Can you understand why I feel this way? Sure. And I think that, um, you know, on the traditional conservative, particularly religious side of things, they tend to get a little too simplistic in their solutions that they offer. And they do it without recognizing, they don't acknowledge the realities for men in this either. And that was one of the things, and, and so much of it comes down to authoritarianism, honestly, because, you know, when I, that panel I mentioned earlier that I was listening to, really what it came down for this guy that was arguing for the traditional um, conservative side of things was that he really wanted the state to enforce marriages um, if we needed to do that. We need to change some of the laws. We can tweak the laws. We can make it better. We can legislate it out of people. Um, but if not the state, then state by proxy, by state sanctioned churches, which blew my mind. Um, and I was like, are you kidding me? Like now you want to authorize churches to take, you know, civil action on contracts with marriages? Like, no, I mean, you know, the churches basically have the power to excommunicate someone or, or kick them out of the church, whatever, you know, they can do that. But this is also why, um, and the lawyer, by the way, the attorney who was on that show, I think is fascinating, would be a great guest sometimes, really great perspective on this, um, very pragmatic. And the thing is, is that it is, um, <clears throat> it all comes down to which boot 
you know, is going to be on you. And there are no incentives for marriage there. And that's what, you know, so here, here you go. Here's one. That's that's, you're right. And you know what? It's things like that that make me say, you know what? I think we should bring back the dowry. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing, but I'm serious. (laughs) Maybe so. But, uh, but that's, you know, there's just, everybody's got their solution and it can't be just one one extreme or the other. And so the reasonable people are kind of in the middle on this and that, you know, this is an individual thing. This, you know, the solution, it comes back to individuality. And that's why I'm a fan of prenups. Ah, and that attorney yes. talks about that. Yeah, and like, I, know. I know that is I'm, like the trigger word for so many traditional people. And it was for me at one time too. Yeah, but it's probably a good idea. I will say that my wife did actually come with a dowry. She's Jewish. She came with a big bag of Jewish gold. <laughs> uh, I got to run. Camelia, any, uh, real quick, uh, anything else that we uh, that you want to share before we go? You know, the only thing I will say is I will give a suggestion that if you're a guy out there and you're looking for reasonable content on, you know, the masculinity movement, um, one person that I will suggest that I've enjoyed quite a bit because he's very pragmatic and he's married and he comes at it from that perspective is um, Ryan Stone, R-I-A-N Stone. And I think that he's one of the better ones I've heard of everyone I've heard as far as, you know, he he talks about what are the incentives? What are the practical things that you can do to not only make your life better as a single man, but also make your marriage better? Because the answer is not necessarily throwing your, your marriage out or, you know, laying down like a doormat. There we go. All right. That's great. Camelia. Another fun conversation. I think we did get you to blush there at least a little bit in during that one. We'll see you on Thursday. Have fun at the uh, presidential debate on Wednesday night. Sorry we can't be there. Good luck to us all. Have a great yes, day, everyone. God help us all. Camelia Peterson, what do you think of CJ? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. We love to see Camelia. She joins us every Tuesday and Thursday here on the show at 8 a.m. Central Time. She's a good friend. Um, why aren't we doing a Wednesday night debate coverage? Well, I'll tell you honestly. I just don't think it really matters because I don't think any of those guys are going to win, right? It's not that I don't like Vivek Ramaswamy. It's not that I don't like Ron DeSantis. I do like these guys, but they're not going to be the Republican nominee, in my opinion. So I don't think it really makes sense. We will cover the debate, though, after the fact, Thursday morning on the show. So you can hear and see the debate clips. So if you don't watch the debate on Wednesday night, don't worry. Thursday morning, we'll have the best debate clip for you. My guess is that Vivek Ramaswamy is going to murder them all like he did last time. That's my opinion. I, I like Vivek. I just think I think he does a damn good job. And we'll just we'll see how it goes. So Wednesday night, no like extra special debate coverage or anything like that here for us, because I just again, I don't think it, it's going to matter. Most people aren't going to watch that debate. So um, Thursday morning, you can see the uh, the um, the play, the play by play or what have you. Uh, t- coming up next, Teresa Bukovinac, excuse me, say the name incorrectly. She's running as a Democrat. She's a progressive Democrat running for president of the United States against Joe Biden in the primary. But here's the catch. She may be a progressive Dem, but she's pro-life. Oh, that'll be interesting. Right when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. This is one of the worst things somebody's probably ever done to me while street performing. This kind of stuff happens here and there, so I usually just keep playing through it, but after what's about to happen, I had to stop. This was also the last song of the night, and side note, I do this to see people happy, so please don't harass a person in this video.
do a lot more to that woman. Good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Wake Up America show. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Yeah, boo that woman. Did you see that? So at first she comes in, puts her hand, slaps on the keys. Okay, uh, annoying, but not the kind of thing that you deserve to necessarily get your ass kicked over. Then she comes back, does it again, knocks his piano over, and then steals money out of his bucket um such a lovely culture don't you have it's a good thing that we uh, that diversity is our strength if you're just tuning in to wake up america show i'm your host austin peterson make sure that you click like and subscribe to the channel and join us every monday through friday from 7 to 9 a.m central time on the wake up america show a lot of people don't know that actually back in my early days before i uh started working my way into media and politics um when i first moved to new york city I actually did what this guy was doing as well. I was a busker, but I didn't do it on the street. I actually did it on the platforms of the subway in Times Square in, in um, New York City. And I'll tell you, I, it, was, it was scary a lot of times because people would actually come up and do things like this to you. They would, um, they would mess with you, right? So like people would like touch my guitar. I was playing guitar. So they would like, you know, touch with my guitar and mess with us, you know, whatever. But there were times when like people would actually physically assault you, right? Because you're in public, so they feel like they can just treat you however, like maybe you're a homeless person or something like that. And, you know, I didn't like dress like a homeless person. I wasn't like, you know, stinky or dirty or whatever. I was, you know, just a regular young guy. I was in my early 20s, living in New York City, playing guitar in the subway. And this kind of thing was very common, that people would come up, they would scream in your face, they would mess with you, they would try and mess you up. Some people would actually physically assault you, they were drunk or high or whatever. Um, but I never had anybody try and steal money out of my change bucket. Like I had people would throw cash into like my guitar case. And I would use that money to, you know, to pay to eat for, for that time when I was really hungry, and I didn't have a lot of food and money. And I, you know, was just a young starving artist in New York City. But to come up and actually steal money out of the guy's change jar, here's my question. Why didn't anybody stop her, right? I mean, where does this entitlement mentality come from for that this woman has been raised to think that not only can she come up and lay her hands on somebody else's private property, but also steal from him and then just walk away and nobody's going to stop her, nobody's going to grab her, or nobody's going to rip her hair out and say, yo, th there are no, the fact that there are no consequences for their actions is the reason why we have so much bad behavior in this society. It's just like what I was talking about with Camelia Peterson earlier, where wh why are 70% of the divorces initiated by women? It's because they have never faced a repercussion for their actions in their life. There has been no accountability. It reminds me of that clip from that movie, As Good As It Gets. How do you write women so well? How do you write women so well? So again, a black woman, nonetheless. So there's a racial connotation to this, of course. But I mean, just like... I can't read this. You usually move through here so quickly, and I just have so many questions I want to ask. You have no idea what this work means. What does it mean to you? And somebody out there knows what it's like being here. 
Oh, just a couple of questions. How hard is that? How do you write women so well? I think of a man. And I take away reason and accountability. <laughs> uh, take away reason and accountability. All right. Well, I'm going to go to a brief standby really quickly. It looks like Teresa finally made it here. We're going to go and get her. She's running as a Democrat against Joe Biden for president of the United States. She's a progressive Democrat, but there's a catch. We'll talk about that when we get back. I'll be uh, back in. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Today's the 26th of September. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel that you're watching so you can get updates whenever we go live. All right. Well, Joe Biden, they're saying, may not actually make it to be the presidential candidate next year. If one looks at his health, it doesn't look that good. And while many names have been floated as a potential replacement for Joe Biden, I think I can find somebody who's much better. Joining us right now live is a newly announced presidential candidate of the Democratic Party. She's a progressive, but there's a catch. For all of our Republican and Libertarian listeners, she's pro-life. Her name is Teresa Bakovinak, and she's joining us live right now. Good God, I had to say that name so many times to make sure I got that right. Uh, good morning, Teresa. How are you? Hi, Austin. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. So why run for president? Well, in 2019 and 2020, I traveled to every single Democratic national debate with the Democrats for Life of America banner, demanding representation in the Democratic Party for pro-life people. The party has become so extreme on the abortion issue and is essentially misrepresenting the majority of Democrats who oppose at least abortion in elective cases in the later trimesters. And then you may recall last year, I, along with my good friend and colleague, Lauren Handy, recovered the remains of 115 abortion victims outside of Washington, D.C. abortion center. Five of those babies were extremely late term, past viability. It was one of the most horrific experiences of my life. And with it, having these two experiences, knowing that I couldn't go through another election cycle demanding representation uh, without me, myself, willing to actually step into the ring and, and be that representation if no one else is willing to do it. And um, and seeing these victims up close and personal has certainly it's an experience that I can't come back from. And I am committed to showing the American people what elective late term abortion does to our most vulnerable Americans. And so as a federal candidate, any FCC TV station must run the ads that of any federal candidate uncensored. And so I'm going to use this platform to show the american people what abortion does god bless you teresa we're grateful for people like that out there and while uh we do sometimes sniff at the bipartisan compromises that occur in washington dc because usually bipartisan just means that they're working together to screw the american people uh, i could see somebody like you doing a lot of good in washington dc even if we disagree on perhaps some of the other issues, but we can get into that a little bit later. You are running for president of the United States, though, and when it comes to a federal candidate, you do have to answer the same kinds of questions that any presidential candidate might get. What are your thoughts on the continuing shoveling of taxpayer uh, dollars over to Ukraine? Well, this is a campaign about abortion. I am not running to try to win the presidency. Um, I am running to disrupt on the issue of abortion. 
I'm a progressive. Of course, I support Ukraine. Um, but that isn't an issue that is really going to be a part of this campaign. This is about representing young millennial people like myself. There's no other millennial in the race right now. Um, I, I am representing where most millennials are politically, which is to the left of the left. And um, I, I think, you know, my opponents, Marianne Williamson, RFK, Biden, they're all, you know, 70 or older or close to it. And um, and certainly considering themselves to be moderates to some degree. But I'm not. I'm a progressive like the others of my of my generation. Uh, okay, but, so it's a single issue campaign, then you might say. I, I think that my opponents will always try to say abortion is a single issue. But the reality is abortion isn't a single issue. It is deeply tied to some of the worst problems that America has. You know, I'm I'm talking about this from a multi-issue standpoint. I, I think it's important that we strengthen unions, that we expand affordable housing, um, and that we are addressing a racist criminal justice system, because these are all funneling into this genocide, which to me, there is nothing more important in this nation today than ending the mass murder of our children. What's it like being a progressive that's pro-life in a progressive movement that's largely pro-abortion? I mean, it's it's kind of like being a libertarian in the Republican Party to some extent, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely comes with its challenges. And, you know, just being a, a pro-lifer in a, in a leftist circle is extremely difficult. It can be kind of isolating. But the whole point of this campaign is to give representation to people like me so that they can come out of the woodwork so I don't have to feel alone. It, it's statistically, most Democrats agree with me, at least in the later trimesters, but where are they? Their voices have been silenced and their position has been so stigmatized that if you even suggest that you're kind of maybe thinking there might be an issue with late-term abortion, that you're basically labeled a Republican, and I'm just not going to stand for that. There's no way I see us being able to end abortion in America until we can break the toxic relationship between the abortion industrial complex and the Democratic Party. And Republicans alone can't do that. It is going to take leftists from within our, from within our own party in order to make that change. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. I'm speaking to progressive activist Teresa Bukovinek, uh, and she's joining us now to talk about her campaign for president of the United States. She's running as a Democrat against Joe Biden on the issue of abortion. She calls herself a progressive pro-lifer, and we're talking to her about her campaign right now. Um, so tell us, um, where do you get your conception of life? Uh, why are you a progressive who is also pro-life? How did you arrive at the position of being pro-life? Well, I've always been really sensitive to animal rights. Um, I there was someone in my early life who would challenge me on that and say, how can you care about the dolphins if you don't care about unborn children being killed in the womb? And I thought, what unborn children? It's just a clump of cells. And it was really seeing the victims of abortion that helped me to realize that maybe there was something wrong there. But I was a Christian and I believed that babies went to heaven after they died and that in the end, God was going to right all the wrongs. And so like many other injustices in the world, I, I prayed about it and just kind of hoped for the best. But I still considered myself pro-choice until I met other secular people like me who were pro-life. And actually, Austin, you were kind of a big part of that because in the years that you were running for president, I was just floored to know another 
um, secular. I don't know where you stand on that now, but at the time, you know, you were running as a secular, secular pro-lifer. Pro mm -hmm. It was so exciting for me. It, it was representation that gave me the confidence to come out and say, yeah, I'm also secular and I am pro-life. And um, and that really kind of changed that that drives people bonkers, you know, <laughs> on, yeah. on both left and right, because they they have to believe that the reason why you see, you know, right life is an intrinsic right has to have some basis in, in a moral system that was cooked up a couple of thousand years ago. Right. As if there aren't some very good modern scientific reasons to argue for the for the the, the life of the child in the womb. I saw my buddy Robbie over on Rumble right now who was talking about, you know, he knew for sure that it was a life when he saw his granddaughter or his daughter, I think, um, the ultrasound in the womb. I mean, we are actually talking about the lives of human. I mean, if you're not pro-life, then you're pro-death. I mean, like, how can you, how can we have a policy? How can you say, run for office and say that, oh yeah, we need to cull the amount of humans on this planet. But that's what most progressives believe. And, and I mean, we probably don't agree when it comes to things like global warming or climate change, but you, we probably agree that it's problematic that the left uses climate change as an excuse to tell people to kill their babies, right? Oh, absolutely. I, the, the left is totally complicit and literal collaborators and promoters of a genocide and trying to cover that up with some kind of like progressive viewpoint. It doesn't work. Real progress is anti-fascist, which means you have to oppose mass widespread child killing. You know, for me, when I lost my faith, it made me kind of view my life in a different way. I thought, wow, you know, I'm not here because my life is willed by God. I'm here because no one interrupted my life cycle and killed me. And I have this one in four trillion chance of even coming into an existence to have this incredible um, conscious experience of the universe. Who has the right to take that from us? And if we're carving out a special place for human non-persons, well, that's something that's been done exclusively throughout history to lethally discriminate against entire groups of human beings. That's not progress. Yeah, my um, one of my things when you talked about clumps of cells a little bit earlier reminded me what I used to say when people would say, oh, well, it's just clumps of cells. But if you were speaking to a group of, of typical secular leftists who are pro-choice, if you were to say, hey, did you know that they found clusters of cells on Mars? They would be like, oh my God, they found life on Mars. Okay, well, if it's life on Mars, then why isn't a cluster of cells life in the womb? They don't even see their own hypocrisy, do they? No, not at all. And I love that meme. I'm so glad you brought it up. But I, I think that that's what's helped me to realize that this is political, that this isn't just about what people believe, that that people believe what they believe because of their politics, not the other way around. They don't pick their politics because of what they believe. And so I realized that I, this isn't just a cultural fight for me, that I am going to not only need to be an activist, but I'm going to need to, uh, I, I'm going to need to address this through a political lens and show people, give them the representation kind of that you gave me and show them, look, you, if you're really going to be a progressive, if you're really going to be a leftist, then, then you have to consider that this might not be, in line with your values. What's the reaction been to your announcement of your campaign so far? Well, I've been incredibly surprised by how widely the uh, the announcement has been covered. Um, I was hoping to get obviously some coverage when I run the ads, but seeing the coverage on the forefront is very exciting. Um, you know, my opponents haven't really covered it, which is interesting. I thought for sure, like Ms. Magazine, Jezebel would love to. Um, to draw attention to this, but so far, 
not yet. Uh, but I'm really mm. just hoping to cause as much trouble for the Democratic Party on this issue during this election cycle as I can. And to also put some pressure on the Republicans to do the right thing and to support a national ban and to recognize that we are fighting a genocide here. And, and the way that they're trying to roll back and, and say, oh, it's a state's issue is completely wrong. And I want to have an influence on both sides. So I, I I love this. I support your mission. I mean, it's it's great. I, I I love that you're out there fighting for this issue and you're taking the Democrats to task, but you're also calling out Republicans. I know that I said something like this to you before, back in the radio days when we had you on the show, but it I, it still holds true. And it's, it's a little tongue in cheek, perhaps, but populism has really been a big movement within the Republican Party ever since the rise of Donald Trump. And most of the views that political populists within the Republican Party hold these days are progressive views. When I talk about progressivism, I'm not talking necessarily about the social issues behind them. I'm talking about progressive economic views, right? Our Senator Josh Hawley is out on the picket line with the United Auto Workers supporting the unions in this strike. Um, many of the populists in the Republican Party that have taken it over, like J.D. Vance of Ohio and others, they are also progressive when it comes to economic policies, for example, right? We could, they're, they're more like Teddy Roosevelt progressives, right? And you're more FDR progressive, I guess you might say, to some extent. But at the end of the day, they're still progressives. Now, I am not a progressive. <laughs> I am I'm very anti-progressive in my political views. In my social views, right, I'm very politically, you might say, libertarian. But the progressive Republicans who are also pro-life like you, you have a lot more in common, for example, with Josh Hawley than you do with me, right? Because of our, our economic views and things like that. You have a, more in common with J.D. Vance than you do with me, for example. You, and I, I hate to say this, but it's probably true, you actually probably have more in common with Donald Trump than I do, for example. So after this presidential campaign is over and you've done, and you've Tulsi Gabbard, the Democrats, why not just join the Republican Party? Because <laughs> it's progressive Republicans who are holding it anyway. Well, I, I, and you make some good points. I, I do think that we are seeing more some more progressive policies coming from some Republicans, and I certainly applaud that. I think that's fantastic. I think that that's going to be the best way that we're going to address the abortion issue in this country. And as you know, I have allies across the Republican Party. I, I've had to. Um, I haven't had much choice in terms of allies on the abortion issue. Um, but I just when I'm looking at the landscape of the issue of abortion in America, I don't see the Republicans being able to help me in this crusade. This is about changing the Democratic Party. And overall, it is authentic to who I am and the values that I've had. I, I've been working in the pro-life movement for nearly a decade now. I founded two pro-life organizations, uh, Pro-Life San Francisco and Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising. And this, this is my calling in the pro-life movement, is to be my true leftist self. And if I was going to become a Republican, it would have been a long time ago. It just, it doesn't align with my values. And, and this is where I see the battle uh, being, need to be fought. Sure, I got it. Uh, Teresa Bukovinak, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners or plug before we let you go today? Yes, please. Thank you for asking. Please go to my website, bfp2024.com. That stands for Bukovinac for President. Please check out my website. If you want the American people 
to see what abortion does, the reality of abortion extremism that is emanating from the Democratic Party, regardless of your political affiliation, please consider a gift to this campaign. It is only made possible through donors like you. Yes, Teresa Bakovinak, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for fighting the good fight for life. We appreciate you very much and we hope to have you back. Good luck. Thank you so much, Austin. Thank you very much. Well, we appreciate it. What do you think of Teresa? Send us a text, 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show at 573-319-1586. Oh, man, my voice is exhausted. I think I'm getting a little bit, a little bit sick. Drop a like and subscribe before you leave the channel so that you can find us whenever we go live. Every Monday through Friday, the AP for Liberty channel on Rumble goes live Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. So come back and join us again tomorrow morning when we got Judge Napolitano. He's going to join us to talk about, well, whatever he's going to talk about. We haven't figured out the topic yet, but we will. I hope to see you there. Don't forget also to visit AP4LibertyShop.com. That's AP, the number four, AP for LibertyShop.com. Check out our delicious coffee brands over at Founding Flavors Coffee. Thomas's Painkiller, my absolute favorite. Totally delicious. Today I'm drinking Jeffersonian Java. That's the one that's got a lot of caffeine. Absolutely delicious. Check it out over at AP4LibertyShop.com. Get yourself some cool Don't Tread on Me shirts as well. We've also got phone cases. Get all of your awesome freedom merch at AP4LibertyShop.com as well as our Halloween shirts. I think my Michael Myers shirt is coming in the mail today. So check out your No Lives Matter shirt over at AP4LibertyShop.com. We'll see you tomorrow morning on the Wake Up America show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com.